Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Catholic Connect Podcast. I'm so glad that you joined us here. I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you may be in our fine universal church. Well, let's go to scripture in the Gospel of St. John and the answer that Jesus gave to the Jews about what will make them free. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not continue in the house forever. The son continues forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, and that's uh, really what sin does. And and our Lord highlights that very clearly is that uh, we can be walking throughout our lives and uh, and not realize the uh, the effects of sin and of vice and what they do to us and how they um, really harden our hearts and we put up walls around us. But let's make sure that we take that time, that time of meditation and of prayer. We have to pray every day. We've got to pray at least a minimum of 15 minutes. Pray more if you can. But, uh, you know, that's where we can really encounter Jesus and have that communication, that relationship with him by speaking to him and also by listening to him, listening in our hearts and hearing what he has to say and examining our lives because no one wants, desires us to live in harmony and in friendship with him more than Jesus does. Jesus wants us to walk in a right relationship with him. So the great healing sacrament of confession for us, we've got to make it a regular occurrence. As we always talk about on this podcast, setting the captives free, setting us free from sin because we are captive to sin until we come back into right relationship with Jesus. And that is through a contrite heart and a firm purpose of amendment and uh, that we're never going to sin again, and we can go forth that way. We can ask for the intercession of our Blessed Mother and our saints, and Jesus will help us with that, that we can walk in right relationship with him again. All right, all right. I know what you're all here for. You're here to hear from John Chick, and so am I. (laughs) Uh, Big sports fan, as everybody knows. I know a lot of you are big sports fans as well, and it's always cool to catch up with an athlete that uh, not only was uh, a tremendous uh, football player in his time, probably one of the best defensive linemen ever in the Canadian Football League, uh, winning two great cups with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He had a stint with the Jacksonville Jaguars in the NFL, but also a, a guy that really loves the Lord and wants to provide a holy example to other people as well. It's uh, such a timely message, such a great chat that I had with John, and I'm so excited to share it with you. So without further ado, here's John Chick. We'll see you on the other side of the interview, my friends. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Well, John Chick is a very well-known gentleman here north of the 49th. He was the CFL's most outstanding defensive player back in 2009, a two-time Grey Cup champion with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and he also spent some time in the NFL with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And his combined sack total over about nine seasons of pro football is 73.5 sacks. But he's traded in his QB hunter card for the soul hunting card, which is just so awesome. So let's welcome back our brother in Christ, John Chick. John, great to have you again. Awesome, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, David. And uh, always a pleasure to, to chat and, and be here today. So, Well, that's awesome, man. So much going on. You're telling me offline that you were tilling or you're going to maybe do something like that today. So, you know, up here in Canada in the prairies, we're just getting out of combine season here yes. in September. But uh, down where you live, you can grow some fruit and vegetables probably a little longer than us uh, up here in Canada. So what, what are you growing down there? You know, I haven't the slightest clue. I, I don't have a green <laughs> thumb. This, we're, we're just four months now on our uh, our new 
homestead. We've gotten into the animals. And uh, so, yeah, I just tilled probably, I don't know, an eighth of an acre. I'm sure there's an official term for that, but uh, uh, that we're going to do a bunch of planting. And yeah, the there are two major seasons here, but it grows all year. And so this is kind of the fall season actually is a better season because it's not as excruciating. Um, and I, the second time I tilled, actually, we've been getting clobbered with rain for the last few weeks. And so uh-huh. uh, hopefully here within the week, I'll get to go plant. Well, I saw on Facebook, you had some sort of a tractor of some sort there, John. So it looks like you're not, uh, you're not having one of those, uh, those handheld cultivators that we've all had no. up here. <laughs> that no, you you go at a, at a snail's crawl to, to do uh, a bunch of your, uh, your garden or anything like that. But, uh, that's great. It looks like you're, you're equipped for it. And, uh, that's exciting that you're out in the country too. You must, uh, you must enjoy that. It's a nice little change of pace when you're used to being in the city, right? There's a lot more for, yes. for children to do as well, right? Yes. Uh, been a change, you know, we got some toys, animals, and it's, uh, definitely a calmer lifestyle and, uh, something much needed. We're also very blessed. We live less than seven minutes from our church. Oh, perfect. Um, so just that daily life of the church, you know, is a lot easier, um, which is, which is, you know, it's a small quaint community. So a lot of need for our family to be involved. Uh, bunch of altar servers, uh, <laughs> readers uh, in the choir, all that kind of stuff. So that's good. Oh, that's so good. And getting involved in the life of the church, uh, it's it's a journey everyone should be taking every day with our brothers and sisters, right? We have such a big church, and I just find so many people are, are not participating in that way. And even if you can't necessarily make it to Mass on an everyday basis, I think a great way to start your morning, John, is to read the daily readings. Um, it's the same readings uh, across the Universal Church, and uh, what a great way to start your journey, uh, your day, by journeying with the church, the entire universal church, and reading the exact same readings that everybody would be doing throughout the day, right? So, Absolutely. Uh, I get to share that uh, often, you know, um, uh, with the ministry is, hey, when we're reading scripture, we're praying it. Yes. You know, this is a living and effective word, Hebrews 4.12 tells us. And, ah, and yes. when we're reading that same word with billions or millions of Catholics throughout the world were united and, and where two or more are gathered, you know, I think there's something definitely powerful in, in that and, and so unique. And so sometimes I think we do feel divided, but oh my gosh, just reading those readings, being a one heart, one mind is, it puts us in that spirit of a unity, you know? Yeah. And sometimes I think that's where we're kind of lagging behind John, where we don't see that that unity in the Catholic church, the way we should, in the way that Jesus is calling us to, right? This one church, this, this pillar of fire, the pillar of truth, uh, uh, is like it says in, in the, in scriptures. And, uh, so we, yeah, we need to pray for that and we need to make those decisions on an individual basis too, to, to do that as, as men, especially like, like you and I are John, but also with our family as well and our wives. So, uh, so important. So I told you, John, that I we had uh, such a great response when you came and visited us uh, last time. It's hard to believe it's already been about a year and a half since we chatted last. But uh, yeah. we have so many uh, fans of uh, the Canadian Football League up here, a lot of big football fans, obviously a lot of uh, Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans. And they said, why didn't you ask John a few football stories? I said, oh, I know John's got a lot of stories, but uh, <laughs> you know, we could certainly ask one or two before uh, – we get into um, aspects of faith, but I know, you know, too, football and, and team sports, if we allow it to be, can be such a, a great teacher of virtue, can it, John? It can yeah. really elevate us. Either it can take us away from God 
and away yeah. from the truth of Jesus Christ, or it can bring us closer. So, um, you know, I wanted to ask you, because you're the, the defensive player of the year in 2009. I think you had 15 sacks. Like, you had just a great season. But that was the season that uh, that the Riders did not win the Grey Cup. It was a real heartbreaking yeah. loss in 2009. And then I think that was, John, correct me if I'm wrong, but after that season, you went to the NFL, right? Correct. So, so what was the coming back? Because 2013, you guys won the Grey Cup again. That was after you'd had your stint in the NFL. But how much did that mean to you to kind of get over that uh, real bitter loss, I guess, in the Grey Cup in 2009 and then come back and, and win the Grey Cup in 2013 at home? Yeah, you know, there are multiple things going on. I had just also come back from a huge injury um, with the Jacksonville Jaguars and was not re-signed. And, you know, toying with, in fact, probably recommended to, to wait, see if you get picked up by that NFL team, you know. And, and my wife and I never thought in terms of, you know, the long term or the big money is, where are we finding joy? Where are we finding that, that community? All those other things that are so much more important to us. And yeah, that three years we had, uh, those previous three years we had in Saskatchewan, uh, talked with, uh, you know, GM at that time. And it just sounded too good to be true. You know, hosting the Grey Cup and uh, a lot of the the same parts that I had played with uh, prior, and I know their mindset, I know their heart, and and so a couple of conversations later, then you know we did it, and man, it was it was exciting, you know. And I don't know, 2007, I don't think there was the expectation from out, or you know, it was put on from within, but there wasn't this expectation. Whereas in 2013, there was this expectation. We had the parts, and there was a lot of excitement and hype around it. And we still had that within, that that belief. And there were still a lot of um, obstacles we had to overcome that season. But, man, I, I so many things stand out from that year coming together as a core of guys that had been in part of, of both Grey Cups and also pre previous championship, uh, the the 07 championship, that there was just the maturity that we're going to find a way to get it done. And that was the expectation. So, yes, uh, getting to win it at home, there's no movie or, or picture or anything that can really uh, exemplify the feeling uh, and the joy. But for me, it was, yeah, we, we had that bad taste uh, after 09. And then I had kind of some up and down years with the NFL. I was not re-signed by the Jaguars. And it, it was just like me coming to Saskatchewan in 07. I had got cut by the Houston Texans. And it was like this chip on my shoulder. Also this belief that, man, this was the best time I ever had in 07 through 09 and coming back and getting to do it again and, and actually doing what we set out to do in the fashion we set out to do it. Um, just the not, not putting my tongue on the, the right word, but the epitome of determination. Having the, the hard set mind that no matter what, this is ours. That was awesome. 
because the 07 was more the behind story from behind the comeback kids the the chip on the block you know that um even in 09 you know we had an untraditional system uh there wasn't expectation uh, but it was a, a lot of fun and yeah it is still one of those pain most painful losses because we whooped <laughs> that team up and down uh a, a team that was heavy favorites uh we kicked their butt so they got the <laughs> ring they get to, they get to brag but they know as long as time was on that clock they got their butts whooped for 60 minutes and it was a lot of fun i didn't want to get too much into that because that, that was a hard loss and i you know what uh john we talk about the wool culture i i I've I'm an Edmonton Eskimos fan for my uh, entire life, and unfortunately, the the wokeism, uh, this this Marxist yeah. force in our world, uh, got to this football team, and uh, another story uh, for probably another time. But uh, that's why I was so glad when you came on for uh, for about a half a season with the Eskimos. That was pretty cool to, to see you in an Eskimos uniform. But uh, for our listeners that might not know, in 2009, it, John, you said it right. The Saskatchewan Roughriders just dominated the Montreal Alouettes, which was the team that they were playing in the in the gray cup for probably I don't know, 52, 53 minutes of that game and yep. Montreal, you know, I mean, resilient Anthony Cavillo, a lot of people know who he is. Uh, oh, great very team. prolific. Great team. Yeah. yeah. Came back, had a couple nice drives and brought the Alouettes back down the field for a quick couple, well, a couple quick scores. And then it came down to that last play, which was a field goal to win it. And, uh, and I don't know, John, like, I, I guess you'd have to kind of look back there. And, and I, I think that the, the kicker missed, well, the kicker missed the first field goal. He did. Yeah. And, uh, but then the riders had 13 men on the field. And for our American listeners, we have 12 players <laughs> yeah. on the field in the yeah. CFL, not 11, like you'd see in the NFL yeah. and in college football. So that extra 13th man was the, uh, was the flag, and then uh, the very next play, the Alouettes got another another chance, and they they kicked that field goal. But uh, yeah. when you when you think of of losing a heartbreaking game at such a um, just a high level like that, I mean, in front of everybody, and that uh, that uh, the feeling, I'm sure, of just ecstatic for probably two or three seconds, right, John, until you saw that flag fly, right, um, yeah, for sure, it was, and yeah. then seeing that loss, probably feeling very helpless too. I'm, I'm, you're you're on the sidelines for that, I'm guessing, right? Uh, I don't think you're on special teams, yeah. but. Uh, no, uh, that, I was uh, I was on there. I was that, on there. Oh, you were you on the field for that? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, I didn't the, know. Defense that. stays on the field. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, the yeah. CFL, we're, you know, it's 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 a poorer league than the NFL. We, you know, we can't afford to have a whole new special teams, right? Guys got a got a double duty sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, but most of the time, both both leagues, defense stays on the field. Okay. But it, uh, you know, I think confusion comes in. Uh, the package, you know, you got all kinds of uh, defensive packages, and yeah, so that's where some confusion. Well, you can tell with my knowledge and, of the game, John. I probably would have sent out fourteen yeah. guys in the field. <laughs> yeah, but to yeah. yeah, to experience that, I didn't know you're on the field, John. That's something else. Uh, to kind of go from that uh, that high to the low, and then uh, um, you know, just uh, you know, going to the NFL because that was your last season, right? Then you went to the NFL. There must have yeah. been a, a nice vindication too, and. Uh, just to, to win that again in 2013 um, for the fans in Saskatchewan must have been pretty special too. Yes, uh, and especially at home, yes. Because it, it was still hanging over. You know, they had went again in 2010, um, so a couple tough losses there. Um, I still, the you 09 know, season stands out in my mind as one of my all-time memories because of 
what we did, you know, it was, it was uh, our, our coach, he kind of took a martial arts perspective. You know, it's like, here, here we are, we're fighting people with swords and knives and we got to learn the, the art of martial arts. And that was his mentality in football. It's uh, it would take forever to unfold all the mysteries that uh, that team had to, to learn. And we had guys like Tad Corningay playing on, on the defensive line. Uh, um, uh, oh my goodness. Katwana Jones, you know, at times playing nose uh, guys just completely out of body positions that are traditional in football, but we did it and and made it work and, 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 people had no clue what we were doing. And so it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, so I'll always remember it. The, the, the Grey Cup ring, you know, I still have mine, but, it, you know, as, as Catholics, right, we remember it, it's blessed, right? I, I don't get to take any of that with me. It's the memories. And yeah, I'd love to get it. Love to have everyone have that good feeling. But I still confidently, a, a team that was so much more, advanced in caliber uh that we got to dominate for 60 minutes of in uh from clock there was no time on the clock when they actually won so uh to, to do it that way yeah it is it hurts it will always hurt um but the memory of what we did for 60 minutes and that season that led us to there when we were outmanned um by by a lot of teams uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, sometimes remembering those losses, uh, sometimes you remember them more than the wins, but that's what makes you a champion sometimes is making sure you yeah. learn from those those mistakes. And But, uh, yeah, so good to see that. And I know that uh, Rough Rider fans were so excited. And uh, uh, it really brings that whole province together, doesn't it, John? That must have been something real probably interesting for you. And I know you, you grew up um, – was that uh, – sorry, was was it Nevada that you grew up, John? Sorry, I well, forgot. Wyoming. Wyoming, Wyoming. sorry. So yeah. again, not there's no pro sports there, but you, you got college football yeah. there, high school. I'm sure that the community really rallies around the football teams there as well. Yeah, it really must does. have, really must have had some parallels uh, being in Saskatchewan where the yeah. entire province just loves the team. And when you go on the road, it probably feels like a home game in a lot of places too, right? Yes. Yeah, there's there's nothing like it still. Um, haven't experienced it anywhere to that extent. And uh especially to what it means to an entire province, you know, is, is it was, it was something special memory that will be a lifetime for sure. So the, uh, the walk with, with Christ, you made that decision a long time ago, John, uh, which is, I just think it's, it's so great. Um, you know, being a professional athlete, um, being married at a young age to your wife and uh, you have so many beautiful children and yet, are you at nine or 10 now, John? Yeah, I know you just had 10 one, kids. 10 kids. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. So you made that decision a long time ago to be a follower of Christ and, and uh, you know, and being a Catholic. What was it like to be a, a pro football player? So many distractions, so many, um, so many temptations, uh, you know, with, with everything from, uh, you know, the idolatry to, uh, I'm sure, to chastity, to all kinds of different things when you're a football player. Um, yeah, what, was, uh, what did it mean to be, uh, you know, married, to be living a sacramental life? And, uh, and w w did you have some other brothers that you could brothers in Christ that you had to, uh, to kind of lean on, or did you find that that was kind of put you on an Island a little bit being a follower of Christ? Yeah. Uh, a lot of an Island. Um, you know, first I'll share all the, I mean, there are a lot of blessing, you know, it, it was, it was blessing. 
uh, and it was always felt in the family, uh, in the reward um, of being a follower. Didn't mean it was easy. Didn't mean that there weren't cuts, trades, injury, all that kind of stuff. But to have him as your rock always, you can ebb and flow the ups and downs of life very, very easy. And uh, and I had a wife that was uh, of equal mind and heart. And, and so that made that part of it worthwhile. Um, you know, I'm still working on the perfecting of the faith. Uh, so uh, there was definitely ups and downs in my uh, steadfastness and and that uh, I was very blessed to be raised in a, in a good home of faith. So um, I don't remember, and this isn't a boast, it's just how I was raised and the expectation I held on myself. It didn't matter what was going on, what day we played, we were going to be at mass on the weekend. And so that was the saving grace. And knowing our sacramental structure that Jesus Christ handed on is that meant sometimes I was in confession every week. You know, um, I say things that I'm not proud of. I do things that I'm not proud of. And um, I, I, though I can legally do it on a football field, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, my, my thought, my heart and all that kind of stuff. So um, frequent of the sacraments, and that is the grace that I received over those mm. years. Yeah. There were times that I struggled more than others and my uh, convictions or uh, things that I was struggling with. But the grace was always received. And, and I got to see, oh, my goodness, a career of 12 years living north, south, east and west of two different countries. The beauty of our Catholic faith, knowing that I was in communion with those Catholics who I've met all over. In all those places. And not only that, but coming across holy, devout priests mm. who are just there as a sign of that grace that when I needed confession, when my kids uh, needed to be baptized, when we would miscarry and need mm. someone to help us with, a, a, you know, something like that. It was a very transient career and it, it can be very alone. Yeah, you have brothers in Christ, the name of Christ. I had not one Catholic brother in Canadian football. Wow. I will challenge to all you Catholics listening in Canada that your sons and daughters need icons in the faith because the only Catholics I knew who were by name were not practicing. I was very isolated. There were no priests. I was very fortunate in my time in the NFL to at least have uh, a priest provided for the team. Um, so... I also never missed mass then. Um, we got to do it. They, they would travel a priest either with us or, or get one there. Um, so there was enough Catholics higher up. Uh, that being said, I'm just about transparency and, and honesty. Is the fellowship, uh, yeah, we knew each other as Catholics, but there wasn't this brotherhood outside of that one hour <laughs> or it was yep. to where definitely there was in the Protestant world. Mm -hmm. So in both the CFL and the NFL, uh, there was Protestant or non-denominational uh, chaplains and, and programs that was a lot more fellowship focused. And so um, there were a lot of blessing, but there was a lot of B 
being alone and set apart, which is great because that's what we're called to do. We're called that we, it is going to be a cross, that you will suffer, that it will be lonely. I, I understand that, but, you know, I have been blessed to be raising my family in the same way I hope that I was. And even though they lived a lot more transient life, they know the life of the church. Hmm. And we do things that aren't of the world or in the world. How is it? Not of the world. Yes. You know, we're in the world, yeah. but hey, you don't believe that the Eucharist uh, isn't going to transmit the, uh, the, the V word? I don't need to go to church here. Hmm. You don't believe what I believe about the whole Eucharist? That's not going to bleed onto my children, mm. who I tell that this is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. How many people die for that Eucharist? Mm. So this is what I learned about through football, about, hey, and shared it recently. Signing a contract with the writers after earning, after putting time in, after this and that. Next year's new coach, we want to renegotiate your deal. Uh, That's nice. Hmm. Guess what? This is what I played for. This is what I put in. This is what my family is. You don't want to honor that? That's on you. Mm -hmm. And reaping the consequences of that. That's okay. You teach your family about honesty and integrity and doing those things. Similarly, Hamilton. This was going on all over the league. There was these these meetings mm. that they were trying to make mandatory about all the political mumbo jumbo. I don't need to get into the what it was about, but it was they were trying to say you have to go and no, this has nothing to do with football. They were putting uh -huh. stickers on people's helmets, ah, uh, yeah, without asking them, promoting things that are against my faith, mm. and so ultimately, yes. Um, my last year of seeing all of these tides turn and aging and getting grumpier and being the only sober-minded person in a in a meeting room right starts to get pretty pretty hard at times and so when we did not return uh there was a lot bigger reasons um than just you know it's time uh that these are the decisions we have to make you know, I've pulled my oldest daughter out of two schools in the last two years, and she's thriving. You know, my children are thriving. They can, we have to be able to, as a church, help them see that it's not always about comfort. We live in a comfort world mm. that promotes comfort. It says one or two children so I can spoil them rotten. But guess what? They go out into the world, and then you see what this world is producing. Yeah. I haven't figured it all out. I'm not trying, sitting here trying to say that. But <laughs> no, but you know what, John? That's a great point you make. Is the last time we chatted, uh, you talked about canceling com comfort culture. I just love that. I thought that was fantastic, yeah, it's, and it's true. It really is true, isn't it? Uh, I've seen yeah, so much more joy in my children through these sacrifices, and we saw it over those years being transient in football, of being up and having to come together, and having to build it together and make it work together and seeing that now um you know what they're doing the work they're the skills they're learning seeing them serve at church five days a week you know 
I have one job. And it's not so that they love me by the time they leave this house. It's so that they love God. And it's so that they can get to heaven. Yes. Amen. That's and powerful. so That's powerful. those times in football, it was never easy because it was unsupported as a, as a Catholic. Hmm. And so I just challenge you listeners uh, and the people I had friends I had in faith. I had some great friends in faith that we could talk about Jesus Christ, but there was always division in the, the, the faith. And yeah, it's, it's, it's something a little bit different. I mean, it's uh, amongst the baptized of, of Catholicism yeah. and we love our, our separated brothers and sisters are great. And, uh, you know, there's so many that are, are allies and that work with us on so many different projects, but there is something about being a Catholic and, uh, that sacramental life. It's hard to describe to someone that's not exposed to it. Right, John. So, right. Oh, um, sure. you know, I was speaking of, uh, of athletes tonight that, um, are definitely allies of ours. I don't even, did you ever play with Nate Kuhorn? Nate no. was a receiver with uh, the Eskimos. He might've just been maybe wrapping up his career before you came here for that little stint. But, uh, uh, he, he's a Protestant gentleman. And, uh, and he was saying too, that, um, you know, to, uh, the things that go on kind of behind the scenes and, and the way that, you know, the league is right now, uh, promoting so many things that are so contrary to the gospel. He said, you have a real hard time playing in the league today. Uh, yes. just cause he wants to, you know, he, he's a, a believer as well. He just said it'd be very difficult, yeah. uh, nowadays. So, um, so you go to, to Florida here, you're with your family and it is so important that we just, I think as Catholic men that we don't make idols out of professional sports, you know, you're saying things that happen kind of behind the scenes that, that a fan wouldn't see necessarily. Right. And right. I'm sure that a lot of Catholics would be just appalled. You know, you're already seeing some of the things that are, that are coming up now these uh, these social justice programs that so many of these professional leagues seem to be falling for so quickly so contrary to the to the gospel so contrary to Catholicism um, but um, what would you say to to some of these our gentlemen out there that um, you know chastity is something that's that's very difficult purity of, of mind soul and um, you know, you're saying you're going to confession every week, John, and, and there are some people that, uh, you know, you get these sins and they start accumulating, you stay away from confession, and uh, sometimes they wait for years, John. And how important is it for, to, for, for men, especially all people, even women as well, but for men to go to confession frequently, John? It's, uh, it's soul-saving. It is absolute grace upon grace. I know I'm a sinner and I know what my sins deserve, but we have, you know, Jesus is the face of God. He is God with us. And so, you know, to me, how I always uh, try and share it is we always had this relationship with God. I could confess or I could give it to my priest and he could atone for him. Well, when he brings his face, his presence, and then, out the first commandment he gives after the resurrection, he comes to the guys in the upper room, right? His apostles, and he breathes on them, says, Peace be with you. Go and forgive sins. Whoever sins you retain or uh, forgive or forgive, and whoever sins you retain or retain. That is knowing everything of the past and the future. He knows that we need that. What Jesus came was to bring the 
the face of grace. Of yeah, baptized, once saved. Okay, we are we are saved, but there are other acts of grace that God wants to continue to 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 do in us, and that sin, no matter how little we think it is, allows the the evil one and his minions to be inside. I have suffered, I suffer with diet type one diabetes. Um, and I don't mind sharing to your audience. Um, players witnessed this. My wife witnessed this last three or four years of my career. And I may have shared this last time. Um, you know, I've always had enlightening experiences when I have a low blood sugar. And most of them have been, not most of them, many of them will end up being super spiritual or super intellectual, meaning as your body shuts, it starts shutting down things out. Other senses heighten. I, you know, if you ever heard or see in the movies that the blind man, all his other senses are heightened. Well, I have this experience and I've had that experience, but for a period of my last four years to my first year of retirement, those experiences turned, they were demonic. Mm-hmm. Four or five times a year, I'd end up on my knees praying our fathers, Hail Marys, Lord, save me every prayer I could think of while my wife's helped me get my blood sugar out of control. So there's a physical reality, but there's always a spiritual reality. Mm. How that force entered, I don't know. But I know I frequented the, the sacrament of confession was a saving grace and prayer and fasting. The first time I fasted, uh, a 32-hour fast. About three days later, later, I was having one of those experiences, and I felt that presence leave me, and I was confirmed that that was gone. That was now four years ago. Now. Until I had that, the full weaponry of the Catholic faith, I, I, I grew up, I believed in it, I prayed my rosary, I didn't have particular devotions. I loved the saints, but again, I went to Jesus, you know, I, these were my thoughts, but when I was going through hell, it was real to me. And that's when I started digging and finding consecration to Mary, consecration to St. Joseph, um, the spiritual warfare that we're on and, and fasting, reading of all the saints, right? Sin entered the world again, like you said earlier, these things aren't bad. Food's not bad, but sin entered the world through the palate. It's our desire. Mm. And so this is why the saints and the mystics, they practice these things, not because it's bad, but because when we can develop self-control and take it to prayer and ask God to fill that void, he does. And he'll clean house. Mm. (laughs) And he did. And so... It's a lifetime that I could go on and on about the gift and the grace of confession. Um, I wish I didn't need it, but the, the truth is I do, and I still do. And I can't imagine a life without it. Because we always had this, and that's great. But he wants to offer us that kiss the saints talk about. Mm. That hug, that, that extra grace that says, I still love you. 
And there is a grace that that, that, that that priest in the words of Jesus Christ brings absolution. We'll always be thankful. And uh, so many, so many good priests that I've come across over the years that, and in fact, here I am still Catholic. So uh, they didn't excommunicate me. <laughs> they, they didn't do uh, X, Y, and Z is your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Yeah, those are great words at the end of confession, aren't they, John? Uh, yeah. So, so healing for sure. And, and to your point too, with fasting and I think fasting and almsgiving, it's in the gospels, I believe that, uh, you know, there's certain, only certain demons that can be exercised by just doing those two things, which is something that I think all Catholics, we need to take seriously and look at, uh, look at the lives of saints too, John. Um, you know, the, the, this life of holiness, this road to holiness that they took, uh, um, taking some of the, uh, these, um, the example that they'd given us, given us and left us with. Uh, reading the lives of the saints, you know, I think of, of Padre Pio, I think of St. John Bosco, mm-hmm. yeah. a couple of my favorites, uh, St. Charles Borromeo. Uh, I think all Catholics after this uh, this virus thing we've been dealing with the last two years should read about his life and his life of uh, of sacrifice for others and and again of fasting, of, of taking care of the poor and um, how powerful and mighty he became uh, just uh, administering the sacraments to to folks like us. So yeah, that's great. I and I just uh, I want to just reiterate to our our um, our listeners too that uh, we've been talking about Our Lady of Fatima quite a bit here recently on the podcast, and uh, you know going back to what you said, and that was uh, seeing that you're on an island, being the only Catholic gentleman in, in the Canadian football. There's a lot of guys up here, right? And and probably a lot of those guys were baptized Catholic, and but now they're to the point where they just don't, they don't have any of the gifts that they were given or they're probably still in their soul, but there's just no way to stir them up. There's just so many walls. But, uh, you know, our lady of Fatima said that, you know, people go to hell because no one's there to pray for them. And, and when I think of that, I just think that there's just not enough people on our team, right, John, and not enough Catholics that are committed to, to devotion and to, to living that sacramental life for us individually. And, and to share that with our families. And I think when we get to that point, John, boy, that's going to be the rocket fuel that's going to help us all get to heaven. So um, there's so many things I want to talk to you about, John, and our time's yeah. flying by. But I did want to ask you real quick about uh, a ministry that I know means a lot to you as well. And that's uh, dealing with uh, with folks that are in prison. And I think you're still doing that. Um, yes. But, uh, yeah, what are what are some of the things that you see behind uh, the bars of, you know, those that are incarcerated? And, and what's it like to minister the gospel to, to those folks? Greatest blessing I, I could have never expected. Um, we, uh, so I actually am now a director of prison ministry. And so in our diocese, we have 38 institutions, 17 county jails, and, and the state's death row. So we're on, we're on death row every Wednesday with the group. We got 380 some people on death row, at least 40 Catholics that we minister to. Uh, shockingly, the death row is probably one of the most peaceful places we go and minister. Um, most of these guys have wrestled their demons years prior. There are still guys wrestling their demons. There are still guys that um, want nothing to do with you, but it's, it's still a, a peaceful setting. They're in they're in isolation, but they're thank thank God. They even if they don't believe, they give all the respect in the world to 
to someone who's willing to come give their time to, to them. And there is great dialogue, love of, of someone is, is willing to show that I have human dignity. So it's very essential because we're, we're going in there and I'm telling you, so these guys in that place, I find monks, I find guys holier than I who have 20, 30 years ago either repented or found peace in whatever they're dealing with and found Jesus Christ and are living an authentic Catholic faith where those cells don't even exist. We go to other places where it's isolation and they're still in the midst of their demons. Drugs, pornography, uh, everything they can get their hands on. The prison is no different. It seems more prevalent than ever. Uh, but even in those, is that sounds like a lot, but they're still person to person who is seeking, looking, and asking. And to get to go and share the gospel message with them and also be that face, that hand of God to them that says, you see the human dignity in us. Right? Is being pro-life isn't just saying it and, and, and speaking it, but it's showing the dignity of, of human life and other people, no matter where they're at. And so bringing that authentic love and uh, it's amazing, the conversion. So those are two different populations. Then we have a lot of general populations or work populations where um, they get to come to us, where it's a chapel setting. And now you don't get to go to their cells. They make an announcement. And if they want to come, they come. And at any given institution, we have three to 30 guys show up who are hoping that you have a priest with them because they would love to receive the Catholic mass and, and reconciliation. Um, these are things I would have had no idea. One, I would have never had any idea how vast it is. You know, maybe it's Florida. But to have that many institutions, and we're talking, you know, a thousand to three thousand at any given institution. Still, our Catholic populations are smaller, <laughs> it seems, at times, but there is a devotedness that and a hunger. And in these places, they are seeking more so than out on the streets. Because the illusion is taken away. Mm. What I have discovered now, having done it for 18 months, is uh, you and I, we don't know that we're in prison. We don't mm. know that we're slave to vice. Mm. We don't know about all the veils in our life that thankfully COVID is starting to lift some of those veils for us <laughs> and yes. see what is uh, the forest through the trees. What is truth, right? Mm. What is truth? Mm. They're more free. And I find a thirst though i'm going to be with jesus i receive jesus and that's the grace this is what he tells us in matthew 24 unless you visit me because i'm visiting jesus christ heck yeah i'm going to receive some grace and i'm finding guys that i mean thankfully i have studied my scriptures some but because they're asking and seeking and knocking they know their scriptures inside and out they are hungry but they're lost in the same things out here and in the corruption and, and all that. So some of them do find more freedom in there. Mm. 
Mm. Some of them are scared to death to go back out there. Mm -hmm. But I, I can tell you what I see about prison. There are still guys in bondage yes. to sin. That's mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of guys who are free, more free because the, the veil has been lifted. The illusion of freedom that we have out here has been taken away. And so, yeah, they're in bondage. But now they have found the source of freedom, mm. which is the gospel message, which is some silence. You know, the, 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 uh, the CEO of Twitter gloats about, you remember what the last, you know, you remember the last time it was to, oh wait, you remember the last time that people were actually bored? And the, the truth is, you know, he goes on. I can't remember. He's talking with some other CEO. But it's like, because you go on, if you're in the subway, you're in the airport, you're a taxi, you're at a table with friends. People are on their device. There's never a time for letting the mind to be silent and calm and at peace with the Lord. Mm. There's no time for reflection where these guys, they're spending 24-7. If they're not working or doing some chore that they're supposed to be doing, they have plenty of time to be in the scriptures and find silence. So I've been blown away. It is very sad, this world of sin that, that people suffer. Most of them are, you know, results of both nature and nurture. Um, single family homes, a lot of drugs, a lot of drugs. And I was fortunate. It was never in my life, uh, my, my, my family life. And, and so I just never had any attraction to that. So I don't know what that's like. I just see that 90% of what people are suffering in there is from they turn to either alcoholism or drugs uh, as something that, that led them into whatever the bigger crime was that got them in trouble. Um. So that's that's Isn't it part, John. Don't you see that uh, from your observations that this is the devil's ploy to sedate people, whether that's yeah. through alcoholism, through drugs, through pornography, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, being online all the time, constantly being entertained, something in front of you. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, like even something like the like football. I love football. I still am a fan. But Sunday's a tough day for me. I want to spend time with my family. So I don't watch a lot of football and it's probably like, like right. some people, right? I know so many people that are, that, you know, they're so involved with their fantasy drafts and they got to be watching football all day on Sunday. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, um, unplugging from the world, you know, this fleeting world that's just passing away before us, John, you know, couldn't, you know, I think, it, it, I think it's been a grace the last couple of years. We've seen yeah. how fleeting the wisdom of this world truly is and the reality of this world without Jesus Christ is a scary, scary place. And yeah. uh, so it's just so important. You know, you talk about setting captives free, really, from their bondage yeah. through Christ and uh, making sure we're living a sacramental life and then sharing that with others. John, I, I appreciate your time so much. Again, it flies by. I told you I set an alarm for myself because yes. I knew we were going to have a great conversation. Oh my goodness, <laughs> I yeah. didn't want to go over time and your wife's yeah. knocking on the, hey, John, get to work. You start tilling again. <laughs> but John, I, 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 you mind if I, I, I share one more? Please do, please do, yep. So just as a challenge to all of us listeners, and this isn't to say that you aren't and 
and that I am because I'm, you know, I'm still working out is over those years, I invited many football players to a Catholic church. Hmm. And then when you're an outsider coming in, right, we, we, we are great at the baptism of infants. We have an RCIA program or you marry into the church. We have a challenge for us, the laity and yes, the priests to be more of an ax church. And I know it's hard because we are in a 501, whatever that uh, term is. We we're as much the state. We shut down when everyone else shut down. We do the things that the rest of the world's no, we're missing our mark guys. Mm -hmm. We don't need the physical church. We need the ax church where they got together daily breaking bread together, praying, yes, yes, we want to be authentic Catholic. We need the sacraments. We need the priests. But when that stuff is, is going and it's going to keep falling the way of the world, and it will, it will, we need a remnant. And I will tell you, there was not many times that I got someone to enter a Catholic church more than once mm. because they come in and they see the order – we get it. We understand the sacramental beauty of it. But unless you're born and raised in that, there's something that we're not doing. And so I just challenge that is I don't want Catholicism watered down. Hmm. I'd rather be a Latin mass goer. I'd rather. I love the Latin. I, I'm telling you, this pandemic woke me in a, in a real woke way. And I found a Latin mass. And oh my goodness, was I missing out on something beautiful for my entire life. There is something so sacred about tradition and holiness and all that. But at the same time, outside of that hour, we need an Acts church that makes Catholicism attractive, mm. that makes people want to come into the sheepfold. Mm. It's a challenge. I wish I knew the answer. Did you uh, see the interview with uh, Shia LaBeouf and uh, yeah. Bishop Barron? So yeah. the um, we have to pray for Shia LaBeouf. He's going to have a big target on his back from the nefarious forces of evil in our world. But uh, anyways, prayers for him. But you know, the one thing that really uh, uh, stuck out to me is when he said, when we're going to the Latin Mass, I didn't feel like anybody was trying to sell me a car. Right. And... Uh, he didn't obviously he's so new to this faith. He did he didn't mean it to slander anybody or try to make fun. He was just saying it like it was from his heart. But yeah. as Catholics that are that have been lifelong Catholics like you and I and a lot of our listeners, I think we know where he's going with that. And yeah. I think that's a, a sobering reminder for us that um you know we are Christ's church. We are we should be the church of Acts. And even in Vatican II, even in the document says we are here to evangelize people. First and foremost, that is the mission of the church. It is to spread the gospel. Anything outside of that, that's just something else. But but that's our purpose here on earth, is to obviously to come to know Jesus Christ ourselves, but then to evangelize all nations. And uh, I agree, John, we're, we're not there. Uh, we're not there yet. And um, nothing is, is worse uh, for our efforts of evangelization than a bad example. So yes. We have to pray for better examples and and better leadership too. 
Yeah, it starts with us, but we also have to keep our leaders accountable too. We have some great bishops out there, some beautiful bishops, some yeah. great cardinals, but not everybody in leadership is is pulling uh, us towards Jesus Christ, and it's uh, that's the way of the world. That's why we got to pray for our leaders every day, so that they can stay close to Christ and be one of the the eleven apostles and not the not uh, the twelfth, the Judas. Right? It's so yeah. important. Yeah. yeah, no, that's great, John, and I, I appreciate that challenge for all of us. Um, yeah, it gives us all a lot to think about, I think. So, John, like it I said, is, I, yeah, go the, ahead, sir. The, the men in and women in prison, you know, as a joke but not, is they are captive audience. They are mm-hmm. asking and seeking and knocking. And so the cool thing is, is there are a lot of guys from in the places Jesus told us to go that are coming into the faith. Mm-hmm. So that is cool. That is really cool. And so I encourage you all to get in, involved in your local area, whether it be jail or prison, whatever you have is, those are the places where uh, if Jesus comes, I think he's going there. He's going to be at the jail folks home. He's going to be at the children's hospital. Mm. He's going to be at the, uh, where people are sick and dying and, and not going to go to where we're lukewarm. Hundred percent, and it's so important too that when we do go to those those places, maybe not the places you talked about, but when we go to the places of the lukewarm, that we're not in an accompanying mode, but in a, a place where we can bring people out of their sin, right, John? Not leave them where they're at. And we know in our church today, there's too much of that. Let's go accompany people. Let's meet them where they're at, and then just leave them there, and say it's okay to be there. We're hey, we're here to say hi to you, but we're not going to bring you to the fullness of of the sacramental life of Jesus Christ. Uh, and that's so important too, isn't it, John, that we, we take them out of there, just like Jesus did in the Gospels. Whenever he would heal someone, he'd always say, go and sin no more. And yeah. that's uh, that, that message is so important for us in our own lives. John, uh, I wish I could be in as good a physical shape as you. Maybe one day you could whip me up on some sort of a, of a program that I can get in shape. <laughs> so the next time you come on our podcast, I hope you'll come again. I can't tackle you. I can't because you're in fantastic shape. I was telling uh, one of our other guests here that loves rugby that I'm more of a golfer than uh, than a football or a rugby player. But uh, one day I'll cordially love to have you on again, John. Anytime, uh, you're always welcome to come and, and uh, talk to it. our listeners about uh, the gospel. Tell us about uh, some of your ministries, how people can get a hold of you if they'd like to uh, to reach out to you, John, because I know you got a lot going on as well that other people can uh, can read about and follow you with. Yes. You know, um, you can reach me at jchick at... Dosa D O S A F L dot com. And so the Diocese of St. Augustine, Florida. Okay. Uh, dot com. And uh, uh or you can go to that website and kind of look more into what the prison ministry is doing. Uh there is a, a lot of people here in uh in the incarceration system. And so if you can reach out and support in, in any way, but it would uh warm my heart equally as much for you to to get involved in in your local area because I can I can guarantee they're for as forgotten about there as they are here, so uh, encourage you there. Um, that, that's about it, man. I uh, I I had was and, and did create a a book for this ministry, um, but I'm not anywhere near where I need to be for it as far as. Uh, since we've moved, had a baby, all this stuff, uh, I'm behind <laughs> eternally. <laughs> but, but are you going uh, to try to do something again? I know that you had some sort of devotional that you were, you were cooking uh, up. I, I do. It just needs, uh, you know, I created 
wanted to have, you know, four parts. It's a really 90 days, four times a year, um, according to the seasons of the church and all that kind of stuff. And, and so I got some fine tuning. Plus, it's, it has a lot of my programs, men's program, uh, prayer life, et cetera. So sounds um, like an excuse to call you again. And when you get that up, we can yeah. chat again. Yeah. Do you still do the uh, Iron Willed, become Iron Willed? I do. I have not uh, uh, promoted. I still have some online clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, I, I, I do. Um, what I have found is, I'm sure you found the same, is a lot of people, they're not as willing to invest in themselves if it requires the physical work that I have to do. And uh, and so I'm a very big proponent of holistic health. And, uh, and so that's been part of my programs in the past. But uh, that is kind of where I've been putting my emphasis because... Regardless of the hour you and I work together or the program I put together, it's the other 23 hours a day that matter. Mm-hmm. And so that's the you know body, mind, and spirit. And so what, what you're putting in your system. And so, yes, uh, any of your uh, listeners can, can uh, message me on Facebook or uh, Instagram uh, Messenger uh, through there. Um, I, I do believe that Uh, And this is something I'm very excited about. You know, I was on a lifetime since I was 13 years old. I was chronically inflamed, um, dealt with injuries, all this kind of stuff because of inflammation. And I've taken everything under the sun. And honestly, because of our technology, uh, you know, turmeric, curcumin, these things are known agents that that, um, reduce inflammation. I've had to use those things. But we've uh, we've got a technology that allows for 100% absorption of those nutrients. Uh, it's a medical technology, same technology that uh, the bad guys are using in that uh, in, the, in the other thing there. But uh, um, it is a, a technology that's been around since the 60s um, that was primarily used for medicine. That is now this company is using. So it's uh, it's very exciting because we're getting God's creation, the green stuff, the uh, in, into people's bodies and uh, and really changing some lives. So uh, that has has been a lot of fun. And uh, if people want to know more, they can reach out. That sounds good. And I'll put that in the show notes so people can uh, can get a hold of you, John. And thanks for being uh, so uh, uh, open to being uh, uh, getting contacted with somebody yes. like you. That's great. That's uh, that you're you're open to uh, people reaching out to you like that. So, John, thanks again. God bless you, man. Thanks for being a great example in our church. And uh, thanks for being a brother in Christ, man. We really appreciate it. Amen, brother. God bless you. Well, a big thanks again to John Chick for joining us on this episode of the Catholic Connect podcast. And really uh, an important message I think we need to pull from this conversation with John is uh, the necessity for watchfulness. That, uh, you know, given this crazy state that the world is in, that we've drifted so far away from God and a right relationship with the Lord, you know, people are talking about, uh, you know, there's always rumors of wars and confusion in this world that we're seeing here with all kinds of conflict uh, around the world. Of course, no one pointing to the solution, which is Jesus Christ. But, uh, you know, the end can come for any of us at any time. You know, some people spend way too much time thinking about the end of the world. Is this the end times? Well, technically, we've been in the end times ever since Jesus uh, came to earth and, and died and rose again and ascended into heaven. We've been in the end times ever since. So, Uh, This is a a scripture verse from uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. And Jesus says, Watch therefore, 
For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the householder had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have watched and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So again, just a reminder that uh, you know the end of the world will come someday, and whether we're a part of that or not, it's, it's hard to say. Uh, we don't know. But uh, the end of our lives can come at any time. So we've always got to be prepared. And living in a state of grace is the only way that you can be prepared. So live that state of grace. Receive communion worthily. Walk in right relationship with our Lord. And uh, and follow his will. Listen to his will. Again, in the silence of our hearts, having that communication with God where we're not always talking, but we're also listening as well. So John has so many good things going on, man. He's got a lot of great ministries on the go. And uh, what a great example of um, being our brother in Christ and uh, and sharing the gospel with so many people and being an example first and foremost in amongst his family for uh, ministering to his wife and his children and then coming out to the rest of the community and, uh, and serving the Lord as well. Uh, what a great example. So I really appreciate John's time, and I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. Thanks for all your prayers. And uh, thanks for the subscriptions and the likes and the shares. I really appreciate it a lot. And uh, hey, continue to to share and uh, drop a review for us. We'd appreciate that as well so we can get this message of love out to the world and uh, how great Jesus is, how many great things that he has done for us in our lives. And again, remember, we've got to go to confession, Catholics. It's not always easy. But when we go and we hear those words of absolution, feels pretty good, doesn't it? So let's go to confession at least three times every year, every Advent, every Lent, and any time you're in a state of mortal sin. Don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. We'll chat with you very soon.